0: Hi everyone, welcome to the Business Clubhouse Conversations with Ash Taylor and today I'm joined by Sally Hindmarsh who runs Comfy company called Partners With You. Hello Sally.
1: Hello, how are you?
0: I'm alright, I'm alright. So uh, just so people know, uh, normally we do this uh, sitting on my sofa in front of the bookcase and uh, we drink coffee or if it's in the evening, wine. And, uh, and, and chat quite comfortably about the, the world of business and work. But we're, we're doing this via um, video recording today. So we're not actually on video because we decided to save some bandwidth, but we're, we're doing this over uh, Zoom. I'm sure other platforms are available. Um, so Sally, you're sitting in your office at home, I guess?
1: I am, home office with cup of coffee in hand. So um, just like being on the sofa, but not actually able to see you. <laughs>
0: yeah, that's okay. We, uh, I'm sure we'll get to see each other again very soon at some, at some point. Um, you know, if, you, if you're listening to this, uh, we're obviously in the middle of um, quite, quite troubled times with the uh, coronavirus, but we're not going to spend today talking about that. But it is obviously the reason why we're not in the same room together, because we're practicing social distancing um, I'm certainly not being distant from my coffee, and I know Sally isn't either. So uh, at least that's one thing we're keeping, keeping close to us. <laughs> I need lots of it at the moment. I think that's the, 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 way, the way it's going. So um, Sally, tell us a little bit about your business and what, what you do for people.
1: Partners with You has been running for nearly 20 years, and during that time, we have come up with a variety of ways to help our clients look and sound more confident than they feel. So, we use the techniques that actors learn at drama school to get on stage and in front of the camera, and we teach those to our clients so that whatever their stage is, they can look and sound. More confident come across as more capable and as more competent which is frankly what we all want
0: of course so so you, you must work with big corporates with um, you know small one-man-band business owners yeah. as well I guess the, 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 the range must be massive
1: yes luckily anybody who talks to another human being is a potential client um and most of us have something or a situation where we are less comfortable than we would like to be and it's in those moments that the sort of skills that my team teach have the most impact
0: brilliant so how did you get into it what what made you you know did you fall into it was it is a niche did you struggle with kind of presenting yourself in in the early days what what, what was it that made you go, oh, blimey, there's a, there's a space here to help people with
1: Well, I'd love to tell you that there was a logic and a plan. Um, I did do drama and psychology at university. Um, I then ignored that for about 20 years and worked in customer service and sales roles for database marketing companies and in retail. And I set up partners with you with the tagline, helping companies to stop annoying their customers. And I did that for about three years, literally going into businesses, auditing the touch points they had with their customers and where people disappeared down black holes and where they duplicated effort. And while working with one of my clients just after the dot-com bubble had burst, so that ages me, um, it uh, became very apparent that she had a team of administrative account managers as opposed to sales account managers and they needed to sell and the minute you told them to sell they became two-dimensional versions of themselves and i was asked to run some training for them and i didn't know how so i said no don't worry i'll find somebody thinking that she'd go to one of my competitors and they would say yes and do an hour of what is handling your nerves which most presentation courses then covered Um, and uh, I I wanted the whole day to be handling your nerves and I couldn't find it we're going back about mm, 18 years now so it was about 2003 and there weren't any courses that I wanted for my client and my sister and her then husband had gone to drama school and it was in talking to them that it became very apparent that they learn a whole set of skills that the rest of us need but never get taught And that was literally how it Um, began—a chat over dinner when I found out my baby sister knew stuff.
0: (laughs) So that, so that's so you did very much. I mean, like many of us as business owners, sort of, you know, fall into it because somebody asked you to solve a problem that you didn't know they had.
1: Yes. Yeah, that's exactly it. They had a problem. They couldn't solve it. They asked me to. I didn't know how to, but I went and found a way to do it for them.
0: That's brilliant. I love that. So so um, when you work with people, t- typically, um, what are the kind of, I don't know, you, it, it might be easier to um, not rank them in any specific order, but there must be sort of commonalities that you come across with with people in terms of their their fears or the way that they struggle or the way that they present themselves or the reasons that they, you know, um, you know, become mm. to you know one dimensional, um, two dimensional versions of themselves. So how what, what what do you think? What are your what are your favourite? What what are the ones that come up more often than others?
1: Well, there's that fear of looking a fool is what underlies most people's fear of networking of presenting of standing up in a meeting of talking to their colleagues of managing a new member of staff that i think that that is the underlying issue for a lot of people is that i don't want to look stupid and i don't know how to make sure i won't
0: okay and where do you where do you think that comes from because i okay so my I'm pretty confident on, on stage, you know, yep. um, I've, I've spoken a lot.
1: Yep, I've seen um, you, you are.
0: <laughs> thank you. Um, but that's not always been the case. And, and I, have a, I have a very, very vivid memory of being at primary school. And I, I think it was probably, you know, what would be called year six now, and, mm. and the end of school play. And, and I have this, you know, and I, I don't know if it's grown in the sort of telling in my own head, but I have this very vivid, clear memory of doing the play and i can't remember what the play was but i remember it involved singing and dancing two things that still petrify me you should have <laughs> me at my wedding last year but uh, th- this memory involves me um we've been partnered up and we're doing this um chorus ensemble thing whatever it is and all i remember when i and i still have nightmares about it is is holding the hand of my friend rajiv and pulling him to the back of the stage where no one could see us. And at every opportunity, him dragging me to the front (laughs) of the stage so we could show off in front of his parents. (laughs) So I kind of get that some kids and some people are naturally gregarious, maybe. Uh, Maybe this is something we could talk about. But I wasn't, I was really, really shy. Mm. And I'd like to explore where, where if, if we take, and I could be making an incorrect assumption here, but if we make an assumption that we're nobody's born, uh, you know, nobody's born wanting to look like a fool, but but do we learn that? And what what teaches us that? Because I reckon I was the only one who was trying to drag themselves to the back of that group from memory. Yeah.
1: Well, we we learn our our. Our behavior comes from our experience and the people we are around, so and the things that happen to us. So, I, I grew up as a young child with a lisp. Um, I couldn't pronounce my R's, I don't right. think that is a lisp, is it really? Um, but I, I, I sounded like Jonathan Ross. Okay, um, so I spent a lot of time doing vocal exercises to allow me to not sound like jonathan ross and so that i didn't get really really angry i got really really angry and now unless i'm very tired or slightly inebriated you wouldn't know (laughs) well to Um, be
0: honest i'd probably do the same when i've had (laughs) a
1: big big mistake marrying a man called robert but (laughs) So that has an effect. And, and if I'm looking at um, something that I've, I'm writing to use it in a training program or when I'm speaking, I will remove um, words that use a lot of R's in them because mm. it's it's a habit created by my experiences um, and suggestions that other people have had. And you will have been fearful of standing up and singing, probably because somebody at some point when you were little told you you weren't very good at singing or acting.
0: Right, And it
1: could well have been a passing comment by a stranger and it will have sat with you. And that for a lot of us, um, we will say things not really thinking about it and the impact that that has on another person, we'll never know but it could live with them forever. So we are, the totality of you is the totality of your experiences. Mm -hmm. Um, and, And that will have a huge impact on what it is that makes you feel uncomfortable. So prime example, when I'm working with people and talking about assertiveness skills, we talk about where we get our behaviors from. And I'll talk about if you can hear shouting next door, in the room next door. If you have grown up in a house with six kids and to be heard over dinner, you had to shout. Your reaction to that shouting is going to be very different to somebody who grew up in a house where people only shouted in anger.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense.
1: And, and that is true in every aspect of what we do and the way we live our lives is that based on my um, experiences, I will make assumptions about what is going to happen. And then my experience of what worked for me in those instances will then help me determine how to behave. So yeah. if my experience is that by leaving the room and making sure I'm nowhere near people arguing, that's probably what I'd do. Whereas somebody else will march in and go, what on earth is going on? Yeah. And, and that's, oh, that's true on stage. So at some point, you'll, you will have come up with a, a decision, a set of experiences that meant that you had to overcome that to stand up on stage. Someone else, they will have a set of experiences where they will need to overcome the ability to walk into a room full of strangers. Sure. But The physical reaction, your heart beating, that fight or flight reaction is the same in all of us. And that's where the sorts of techniques that we cover are so useful because if you can control your breath and your voice and your body language so that you look and sound more confident than you feel, your, your brain is very malleable. You can, what you think will affect the way you behave, but the way you behave will affect the way that you think. So if you can behave in a manner that makes you feel more confident, you will feel more confident.
0: It's it's quite it's quite a it's it's like creating uh, you know a virtuous well it doesn't have to be that virtuous but uh, mm. creating a a cycle to sort of override an existing cycle that already yes. exists. Yes. Yeah. And 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 I find this quite a lot. You know, a, a lot of the work that I do, I end up um, or we end up exploring how uh, different attitudes and different experiences drive current behaviors and i always find it fascinating that you know on one hand just because stuff happened to us in the past doesn't mean it's going to happen again but it's so embedded in our psyche that sometimes it's you know we're almost reacting to something that hasn't happened yet because that reaction is something that we've had to use in the past
1: yeah
0: we preempt it
1: Yes, and
0: I guess our bodies kind of prepare us for that action and defend, you know, kind of uh, d- defend us from it.
1: Yes, and, and it increases or decreases certain hormones by behaving a certain way. So I don't know if you ever read the work of Amy Cuddy. Yes. Um, so she, you'll know that her her whole premise for presence is that you can change your physicality. To affect your mental thought process
0: rather than the other way around. Yes. Um,
1: yeah. And that ability to change your physicality, which then changes the chemicals in your body, which will then have an impact on the way that you feel. So carry on,
0: on. No, you carry
1: on. Well, I was just gonna say that in the last couple of years I've done some work with uh, dr. Linda Shaw and dr. Maria Pavia both of them neuroscientists and it's fascinating that that just by changing the way that you um, are standing or, or your posture could have such a massive impact on how you feel so that one of the exercises that Maria Pavia talks about is um, standing um, and and looking all the way around your head when you are feeling overwhelmed so literally looking at the periphery and Mm -hmm. if you were in a room where you were under attack so let's say you were in the savannah and there was a tiger coming towards you you wouldn't look at the periphery you wouldn't be checking to see what was what the grass was growing and and what the flowers were you'd be looking at the tiger and so that ability to sort of look at the periphery is basically telling your brain I'm not under attack I may feel overwhelmed and terrified but I'm not under attack and those that ability to change the way you are thinking just by changing what you are physically doing I think is fascinating and can be so impactful in all sorts of areas of what we do
0: I think you're right. I, I've never, I've not come across that before. I mean, I like Amy Cuddy's work and it is, mm. I do remember in my, you know, my relatively recent, probably, you know, six or seven years of starting to probably about five or six years of, you know, speaking publicly, mm. um, reading a lot of her stuff. And, and I have been walked into mid Superman pose in the Gents Lose um, before yeah. coming on stage because actually it was, it was something that made a massive difference. Just holding those power poses.
1: Yeah. You
0: know, people who are listening to this who've not <laughs> come across their work. If they've <laughs> not
1: come across the work, get off here straight <laughs> afterwards. Go on to Google and Google Amy Cuddy TED Talk.
0: TED Talk. And, and your... still one of the most um, yeah. widely watched TED Talks. Um, you know, right up there with Simon Sinek's work. Mm and yeah, start with why it's yeah it's a it's a fascinating piece of work and I, and I know a lot of people who've just watched the talk and it has impacted them quite quite significantly in terms of their ability to um change the way they feel about mm. uh, speaking in front of people
1: um, and what's also, interesting yeah. is that we never i mean you know we've been doing this for 15 20 years and we talk about body posture and standing up and feeling more confident because of the way you are your posture is and yet none of us really knew why that was but we knew it was true and now we've got a bit of science that supports what we do
0: (laughs) yeah but i think the science is healthy because yeah we we, you know i think as as people as human beings we're much more likely to um i don't know if the word Believe. believe is strong because, you know, we could have quite a long conversation about religion here, but I think people generally like to sort of have some sort of evidence that's more than anecdotal. Yes. To back up their actions and their reasons for their actions. Because it helps them justify it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And and we've only ever been able to get you to do it yourself to feel the difference. Um, so it's lovely to have some science that back that up.
0: Mm. So coming back, coming back to the fear thing, because mm. I, I I find this fascinating because I don't think it's you know I was on a call with with, with a client earlier on and he he was talking about that that you know he's he's realised that it doesn't matter how fearful he is or how much he hates um, being on video that he, he's kind of got to get over it because yeah. the space that he's in the people that he's putting himself in front of kind of expect to be able to see him on video. And, and I guess there's a very similar um, uh, attitude, fear, towards standing on stage and presenting and standing in front of a video and presenting. And, and I'm, I'm wondering whether any of the work that you do, uh, it, you know, involves breaking down that fear and whether you've done it for people who are, you know, presenting on video, as well as live?
1: Yes. I mean, we, we work with people who are presenting on video. Most of the work up until recently, we've always done face-to-face and concentrated on presenting face-to-face. Yeah. Um, however, we, I do a lot of my work with individuals over the internet on Zoom calls and we are about to launch our advanced online presentation program in two weeks for a client who can no longer run their advanced presentation workshop and that will all be about presenting online a lot of the stuff is exactly the same yeah you've still got to look like you know what you're talking about you've still got to come up across as believable the difference is is that if you're you know if you if you're standing on a a stage one of the ways to make sure that the audience is engaged in what you're saying is to have eye contact with them and there are things you can do to make sure that everyone in the room feels that you're looking at them Mm. that's much more difficult if you're talking to somebody on a a zoom or a skype call because when you're looking at them on the screen you're not looking at the camera
0: yeah and, and i find that there are levels because you know, and this might sound a little bit kind of counterintuitive, but if I've got a largest group of people live, I'm probably at my most comfortable. Mm. And then if I'm live on uh, video, I'm probably my next most comfortable. But if I'm recording a video, mm. that's probably my next level down, if that makes sense. So, And I think mm. that's because I feed off the interaction.
1: Yes. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. But when,
0: I, when I'm not getting feedback, um, like even doing this now, I mean, I know if we were just sitting on the sofa chatting, the, the, how I feel about it would be very different to, you know, I'm not talking to my screen because I don't need to, because you know, at the moment we have the, you know, the video off, so I don't, you know, yeah. look, uh, and, and, but it, it makes, it makes it that much tougher, I think, because you're not getting that feedback.
1: Oh, without a doubt. Without a doubt. Yes. And, and that's true. I mean, when we work, we teach people who work in telesales and in um, uh, support desks. So they're actually only ever communicating with people online via email or messaging service of some sort and via telephone. Yeah. But the basics are still the same. You've still got to engage the people you are communicating with. Whether you're doing that in writing or over the telephone, if you want to sound more engaging and more focused when you're talking to somebody like we are or when you're on the phone, then find something inanimate in the room that you can focus on when you are talking to the other person.
0: Yes, and I have a photo of you on my screen, so yeah. that makes it easy for me. Well, which is
1: much easier than when you're on the phone. But if you we were on the phone um, and that we didn't have a photograph, then by looking at I don't know the door handle, you are much less likely to become distracted, and that See, I, I, then I, really affects your conversation.
0: I struggle with that. It's it's it for me. It's the and I guess it probably works for a lot of people. But for me, it's a little bit like that. Whenever I'm trying to write. I, I like to have music on when I'm working, but I mm. cannot have music on with lyrics because yeah. I end up noting what I'm listening to. Yes. <laughs> so my blog articles make absolutely no sense. <laughs> <laughs> because they're interspersed with Kylie Minogue lyrics.
1: You're telling me a lot about you.
0: Or <laughs> <laughs> well, the the killers usually. <laughs> but, but yeah, and I think if, if I looked at, if I was to stare at the door handle, i I just go off going. That's
1: you not- don't <laughs> stare at anything because you wouldn't in normal conversation. Yeah, that's true. No, I can see. You. But uh, so, and, and if you're on the f- computer and you're talking to somebody, then when you look away to think, try to look away towards the camera because you won't think that's the person, but they will get some eye contact, and you can hear much better if you have eye contact.
0: Yes, that's fair. Well, you're that much more focused on.
1: Mm. Yeah. So there's lots of things that you can do that the the medium might be different, but the end result you're going for is the same. It's just the solution might differ slightly. So we work with people who, um, this is a very long answer to your original question of whether we work with people online um, or on video. We work with corporates who have to communicate with their counterparts, uh, the other side of the world. And so they often have, um, screens at the end of half a desk so they feel that they're sitting at a desk talking to each other Um, but the problem is is you're not and there's often a delay um, and often you're at different times of the day so there are all sorts of things you need to think about even though it it Mm -hmm. feels much more like a real meeting room
0: yeah, because one of you could be holding wine and the other one could be holding coffee because it's the first thing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so.
1: Although not many corporates I know provide <laughs> wine for their board meetings, but not anymore. Maybe in the 70s. There's
0: the reason I don't work in corporate. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I just, uh, one, one sort of kind of comment or observation on the, from the fear piece, just coming back to that. Yeah. Because I, th- I do think it's fascinating, isn't it? and because you you essentially built a business around people's fear fundamentally that that's not all of it but the core of it is about helping people overcome their fear yes and uh, you know you touched on something and you 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 said it briefly and i just want to explore it a little bit more which is that um when we talked about my tribulations on stage
1: Mm.
0: as a a 10 year old um, and being told that I wasn't any good. I'm wondering how much, because I've been having this conversation with a few people really uh, uh, recently, and I'd be interested to know your, your take on it, given the work that you do and the people you come across and the experience you've had and the thousands of people that you've helped is that how much of the core fear when you kind of strip away, the The kind of surface fears of you know I look fat, i don't like my hair, I hate these glasses i don't know what to wear, i don't know how to stand how How much of it really, when you boil it down, is down to people feeling not good enough
1: um i I think pretty much everybody um and and it's not all pervasive so you're very comfortable and confident standing up on stage now Mm -hmm. but if you were standing up on stage and somebody who looked like your primary school head teacher was in the front row that might take you back to a position where you suddenly were feeling really uncomfortable and so in that moment is when that physical reaction to that fear comes along and that's that in that moment you probably wouldn't feel good enough
0: interesting because i i I do think that deep down most of us not not with everything that we do but with a lot of things that we do feel like we're not good enough i mean we we bandy Mm. around like imposter syndrome Well I
1: think most of us have a a voice in our head whoever that is or whatever it is that is unbelievably rude um, and derogatory (laughs) and we spend our lives trying to overcome the voice and replace it with something better or removing ourselves from the voice so it's not us but there the bottom line is is that you know nobody I have never said to friends what i would say to myself in my head no and i think that's true for most of us so yeah i think that's i but i don't spend a lot of time with any of my clients getting too caught up with the what is it that makes you feel like that because Mm. we're we're moving down the route of therapy and that's not what i do we give you an understanding of the way you choose to communicate if you want it um, but most of what we do is, how can you make a difference in that moment, should you see your old head teacher and wish that you hadn't? What can you do to bring yourself back into the moment and look and sound more confident than you feel in that moment? And that would be as useful to you in that moment as it would be to a client I work for who wouldn't walk into rooms full of strangers because she felt so uncomfortable or the team of newly promoted supervisors who none of them wanted to supervise what were their friends um, or the guys on the call in the call centre who were dealing with irritated and aggravated individuals who wanted more than they were able to provide. Yeah the same physical reaction, the same technique to help you just a different beginning and end.
0: Yes. yes. So that makes, that makes a lot of sense. It's funny when you were talking earlier about the kind of uh, talking to yourself, I, I um, as you know, I play quite a lot of golf, Sally.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh,
0: <laughs> I, I was playing with someone uh, probably about two, three weeks ago and uh, about three or four holes in. I, it was clear he was not having a great round and the way that he was, talking to himself was quite horrendous and out loud so Mm. he he he, I think he teed up on the fifth was that was sixth and he hits hits the ball into the water and before he could say anything I turned around to him and said you absolute numpty that was so bad how could you hit the ball like that into the water and he just looked at me and went you can't talk to me like that I said but why do you allow yourself to talk to yourself like that (laughs) and he went I don't I said you and he thought about this for a moment he said bloody hell you're right and it's, it's, yeah. it's just really it's it's a fascinating thing that though we kind of we're brilliant at beating ourselves up like that and of reinforcing the message, which, I, which oh, I guess doesn't help when you're about to go out on stage and you're telling yourself you're no good,
1: yes. And the language we use, uh, you know, I am an idiot. Well, I may be behaving like an idiot right now, but I am not an idiot. Mm. And it's that distinction between what we tell ourselves, which is very much about us, the person, as opposed to our behavior,
0: yes. Yeah, I, I totally, totally agree with that. I'm totally on board with that. And actually, you can, you because you can flip it around and tell yourself you you are, you know, that I am great on stage, I am a good public speaker, and and almost retrain the brain, to a degree.
1: Um, I use uh, affirmations an enormous amount.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm a big fan of them as Mm. well. So, just, so, my my headmaster
1: Mm
0: -hmm. at my primary school, um, I think it was headmistress, I'm, I'm struggling to remember her name, actually. But... So if I did see her, what, what would you suggest I did then?
1: Look away. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Apart from run off the stage, screaming <laughs> fear. <laughs> take, me, take me briefly, just through the kind of the, the, the simplified process of what okay you...
1: so what happens when you start to feel less than yourself or less natural in what is a very unnatural environment for most of us is that you start to show it in your physicality so the first thing I would do is look at my concentrate on my posture by not concentrating on them I'm taking my brain away and thinking of something different so I would think about the way I am standing are my feet firmly on the floor so I'm not wandering around aimlessly, uh, or rocking on my heels? Um, Mm -hmm. Am I standing up straight so my head is straight um, and looking forward? uh, Are my shoulders slightly back so that I'm not looking slightly hunched and a bit pathetic? So that would be my first thing, would be to concentrate on the way I'm standing so that I look more capable. Okay. And I would breathe. (laughs)
0: Which, it's always a good idea isn't it
1: we don't when we're in yeah we, we, we <laughs> and start to get very shallow breaths so i would concentrate on getting some breath deep into my um stomach uh and and maybe even count five i mean the seven eleven is the number i use and we use in our exercises but actually four six so long as you breathe in uh for slightly less than you blow out you will start to lower your blood pressure and start to feel yeah. less panicked and both of those things will probably take your mind off and, and the logical brain will then have time to take over because you know that the you know your head mistress is not powerful now you are an adult
0: i'm, I'm not even sure she's still with us yes. <laughs> but,
1: but if she was you know yeah. I had at primary school I had a teacher I remember her name her name was Miss Harland and she terrified the Jesus out of me she was the most shouty unpleasant individual I have ever had the misfortune to meet and she would literally you'd walk in the room and she would shout at you for 40 minutes she was obviously a very sad individual however aged nine she felt very powerful to me if I saw her now I would recognize her (laughs) oh yes I would recognize her but my logical brain needs time to take over and go this woman can't shout at you anymore and if she does you don't have to listen to it yes and by concentrating on removing the focus off her and onto how am I looking how am I breathing the logical brain has a bit of time to go this is not a sensible reaction
0: that makes a lot of sense. It's, it's, it's interesting that because it's you know, going back to the golf, um, because I'm, I'm, I'm as good as you know, the friend I was playing with is uh, beating myself up um, yeah. well, and, and talking myself uh, in, into a corner. And it, it's, it's quite interesting because I've learned and it doesn't always work, but I've learned to distract myself. So I've, I've learned to distract mm. that part of me. That's telling me I'm no good by things like counting, like, focusing on how my feet feel when I'm standing addressing the golf ball so it's really it's I just find it fascinating that kind of evolve very similar techniques um in order to sort of quieten that voice I guess
1: yeah and if the voice is I mean I always recommend that the first thing to do is name the voice give the voice a personality a name other than you so it's not you that's telling you you're rubbish Mm. it's somebody else and when it's somebody else you can go they're only your brain is only there to try and keep you alive it just doesn't know that the difference between your anger at a golf ball isn't the same as your anger against some marauding pillaging team of people that are coming towards your campsite it doesn't know the difference but so it's trying to keep you safe yeah Um, So if you can rename it and, and, and thank it and go, okay, I've got this covered, though, so I don't need to be panicking like you're suggesting. I don't need to be getting overwrought and angry. I can I can deal with this on my own. That can help as well. Just, you know, okay, good to know. I'll bear it in mind for later. But now I'm going to get on and hit this ball properly
0: yeah or I'm going to get on and, and present my speech or do my or talk
1: speak to that member of staff that you know need you need to have that difficult conversation with, and you keep putting it off because the voice in your head is telling you you'll do it wrong
0: yeah uh, that makes a lot of sense it's really really useful and it's quite interesting to kind of almost have what I'm doing for myself that I've fallen upon to a, you know to a degree yeah. um i mean I, sus- I suspect some of it's come from experience working with athletes myself and i've kind of you know reflected it back on myself without mm. realizing it but it's co- it's quite interesting to hear that you're using very very similar techniques so they're very well very well placed um and and, and useful and and there's a there's a must be a basis in science um as we talked about with study. Yeah. so it, it, it gives you hope that actually those people who are struggling with Um, in you know presenting themselves effectively with with uh, networking being in large rooms that sort of stuff there is a way to resolve it and i think that's really helpful and important for people to understand
1: yeah because nobody wants to spend their life not doing what they know they could do better because of a fear of something that they could get over
0: Hmm. So two, two questions briefly. Yeah. Uh, first one without giving away all your most valuable trade secrets, but if, if anybody did, you know, you, you've talked about the grounding and distracting yourself, but if you've got, have you got like a snap of the fingers, top tip for when people are facing a presentation situation and, and they're about to freeze or they're freezing, that you, you would say kind of works 99 times out of
1: 100? Standing up straight would be just pull your string in your bolero. So your string is coming out of your head and your bolero is a, a little jacket that you're wearing and somebody pulls from behind and pulls your shoulders back. Just that refocusing on you and looking more alert and more confident will often make the difference
0: fascinating and it's just it's such a simple thing isn't it it's such a simple thing mm. any of us can do which what makes it probably makes it so powerful because it's not complex it's not a lot to remember just just stand up just grab the top you know the follicles on the top of your head and pull yourself up by.
1: Right. yeah nothing i do is particularly complex or difficult <laughs> <laughs> i've made a career out of not doing anything too complex or difficult
0: I love that it's brilliant and and then so the last thing if people are um, you know are struggling with with their presentation skills and they want to reach out to you what's what's the easiest way to do that oh before I forget actually what yes. you should mention um, forgive me you you have a book you're also a published author I am I have, am.
1: I, have. I am and I do and I have yes it is called step out from the shadows how to be seen and heard at work
0: Fantastic. So people want a copy of the book because I guess there's a lot of this stuff that we've talked about in there. and Yes. Pieces. So uh, how do people get a copy of the book? Uh,
1: they can search for my name in Amazon and find it there. Um, although I'm not sure that Amazon will be concentrating on book sales right now for their deliveries. Uh, probably the best thing to do is to go to our website, stepoutfromtheshadows.co.uk and okay. you can buy the book from there.
0: Fantastic. stepoutfromtheshadows.co.uk yeah Brilliant. Sally it's been fabulous talking to you thank lovely
1: you. to talk to you too
0: thank you so much for coming on that's been really useful lots of information on there and what I love is there's just two or three things that people can grab hold of and use in everyday life that will make make a big difference so um thank you very much for that and I will see you very soon
1: yes I hope so all right well you take care of yourself and thank you for the opportunity to chat it's been fun <laughs>
0: That's all right. You're very welcome. Take care. See you soon. Okay, bye. Bye.